It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Ashley Frasca along with you. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and this is Celebrity Gardener, the time of the show, the second hour of the show. You've come to know it, where I find an Atlanta personality. Whether or not they like gardening, we just have a blast talking about anything and everything in the outdoors, but I just so happened to find a gardener, I think, this Saturday. I've had a lot of coworkers tell me, this is the lady you've got to talk to, Linda Stouffer from Channel 2 Action News this morning. Ashley, it is so great to talk with you about Trees and not just traffic. We right. love we love talking about traffic, but it's wonderful to talk about plants and trees. I'm thrilled to be here. So I was so excited to go to your new home. Gosh, back when we were celebrating Karen Mitten's retirement a uh, year ago, over a year ago. And you downsized a little bit yard-wise, but you've still got a beautiful spread. You had so much color. February, you had so much color at the front door, at the back door. Tell me what you like about planting and gardening. You are so kind to say that. We did downsize from the um, from the suburban cul-de-sac where I had multiple areas to work with to a much smaller yard. We love it, though. And I do a lot of container gardening now, which has been really fun to discover. And I think what I love the most is color. Flowers make me happy. I love to combine colors. I have a blue front door, so I do a lot of corals and blues Ooh, in the pretty. planters and in, in the front by the front walk, and I just love it. Uh, George's conditions are so forgiving. I grew up in Texas where it's hard to grow anything except a cactus, right. so when I moved to Georgia uh, 20-something years ago, 23 years ago, I was just amazed that I could plant this thing, and it will grow, and it will bloom, and it will get bigger next year. It was just such a thrill for me. So so I love it. I, I love planting perennials that'll reward you by growing in size the next year. I put a bunch of daisies in the soil last year, and I'm nice. just so thrilled to see that they've doubled and tripled in size, and they're just about to bloom for this spring. So I do love gardening. You were in a, a really opportune position, too, with the place that you moved to because it was new construction, right? Uh-huh. So the builder leaves you with a couple of little bits and pieces here and there, maybe a standard tree and some sod and things, but you've got a clean palette. You can really make your new home exactly what you want it to be. And like you said, set the color scheme and the perennials and it it's yours. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. Uh, although I do love the older homes that have those mature hydrangeas and the big old growth azaleas. I would love to do that sometime. Uh, but but I do have a clean slate, so that's a perfect way to look at it. And the other great thing is if you plant something, it doesn't work out. You figure out more about the conditions there, and then you find the plant that will be happy there. Right. Because in my experience, anyway, when you find the right plant for the right sunlight, for the right soil, for the right watering conditions, then you're good to go. So it has been fun to experiment. So tell me maybe in the old house, when you had a lot more room to experiment, one thing that you just wanted to work so badly and it just didn't something you just beat your head against the wall and gave up on you know that is a great question and it's definitely hydrangeas i picture these big rambling hydrangeas with those huge blooms you know that are just like the size of a volleyball and I, I never really found the right place oh, no. in the old yard. I do have a couple in the new yard, so we'll see We'll see how they do. But what are your best tips for that, for hydrangeas? You know, I still can't get this down, and I'm going to have an expert on in a few weeks, pruning hydrangeas. I just have a mental block on learning it because uh-huh. the mop head, like the big fluffy ones you're talking about, 
bloom on old wood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you see these empty twigs and you naturally want to cut them back. And you're not leave supposed them. to. Yeah. Right. So it's like an every other year kind of growth. Mm-hmm. And then the ones I have in my yard are panicles. So they grow like grapes, like a cone shape. And I think those grow on new wood. So... Like, I'm a mess going to prune hydrangeas and azaleas just because I'm so terrified. Kind of like you, I have not really had great success with hydrangeas. Much I have hydrangea envy when I drive by those, you know, the, right. the older neighborhoods that have the, the huge ones with that beautiful bluish purple color. So well, and we have listeners who call and, you know, they ask about the lime and how to change the soil and stuff because they want to mm-hmm. change the colors. But I guess if that mop head hydrangea is naturally like the blue color, mm-hmm. I've never really bothered to change them. I know when you add stuff to the soil, you can make them pink and make Make them mm-hmm. purple, and and I'm just happy with with how fluffy they are and how colorful they are, no matter the color. And you know, this has been one of the bright spots of the whole stay at home situation we've been in this spring. Is it's just the most gorgeous time of year in Atlanta for gardens. So it's been so wonderful to be able to just go at a slower pace, walk around some of the neighborhoods, see what's blooming, and enjoy the gardens and enjoy the color. There's something to be said for that. You're absolutely right because even in my neighborhood, I'm in a cul-de-sac now. So many more people out walking, whether mm-hmm. it's just the family or they've got the dogs. People have spent so much more time outside, so I think you're absolutely right. Like, it has slowed life down. The pace has slowed down, but that's a good thing, right? When we get back to normal, I think we need to decide what stays. Maybe it is a slower pace and and more walks and and what we didn't really need to be filling up the weekend with. Anyway, that's my thought. That's my goal. This is kind of a fun game that I do from time to time with a celebrity gardener. You and I have mutual coworkers and everything. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is it going to be hard? Not hard, but funny. Okay. So three of the men we work with every morning, Fred Blankenship, <laughs> okay. Brian Monahan, and Mark Aram. Uh-huh. We love them. We do love them. Mark and I drive each other crazy, and we're isolated from you guys. We're on the first floor. Y'all are on the third floor. But we, we have our own little entertainment sessions uh-huh. you know, down in the traffic center, and it's been so boring lately. We have to do something <laughs> to stay engaged. But So if you could describe each of our coworkers as a plant, we'll oh. start with Fred. What kind of plant or flower could best describe Fred Blankenship? Something colorful in a loud, fun way. Um, let me think. I, is that a bird of paradise, that uh, yes. tropical flower that's yes, kind of orange, orange and red all at once, and it's a fun flower? That's what I'd say for Fred. That's good. All right, so we'll reel it back a little bit. Brian, Monahan, y'all haven't worked together as long, and Brian's Brian. a little younger. Brian is super smart. Brian is a scientist. You can rely on Brian, so I'm going with a with a very strong evergreen, oh. like, like oh a boxwood. There you there go. There we go. Oh, that's good. Just very sturdy, always there. There for you. Consistent. Always green. I like that. Okay, and then the wacky Mark here. <laughs> that's tricky. And he likes food. Oh, so maybe a plant that would take a lot of fertilizer, like a fruit tree or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tricky one. I'll have to think about that. He's super funny, super fun to be around, kind of sarcastic. Okay, yeah. really sarcastic. <laughs> Snapdragons. Oh, I like that. So kind that. of funny. You can sort of squeeze them and they snap. Yes. Cool colors. Very they fit cool. in anywhere. So I'm they're going They're eye-catching, and if they're in a bed, they get taller. So they're kind of like the center of attention. Like, that's the thing you look at. Or in a great way. Yes, of course. Yeah. Perfect. What's yours different. for Mark? Oh, gosh. Something kind of crazy, something that's reliable. Like when you walk by it, it's always there. A hosta, it blooms every now and then, so it can surprise you with a little bit of a bloom. But hostas are pretty steady, perennial. Um, yeah, maybe. 
that's maybe not as showy of an answer as he would like, but that's kind of what I can think. <laughs> One of my favorite plants to have in my containers is a dragon wing begonia. Yeah. They just ramble and explode and kind of puff out the sides. So I actually just planted one the other day, and I hope it does well this year. So it's nice to see kind of what crowds and takes over the space um, in a container and then what you need to come back and fill. So just trying to keep an eye on on how everything is doing. I want to plant more uh, when it comes to fall. I want to put more irises in the ground so yes. that they'll uh, bloom next year. I love irises. I haven't planted any, any of those yet so far. And also want to do more with uh, old growth roses. I have Ooh. I have a landscape rose right now, but I definitely want to want to get back to doing more true rose bushes because nothing smells as great as a true old rose. Well, and think about some of like the just the exterior parts of the building. You've got some siding or you've got some space there to where you could maybe try a climbing rose. Oh, that's trellis. a great idea. Yeah, that would be pretty, and that would come back. Now the dragon wing begonia—that's uh, something that I, I took a minute to picture it when you said it. Is that perennial? Um, it's an annual. Okay. Okay. And does great when it gets a lot of sun, does not need a lot of water. And uh, I've seen them in two colors. There may be other colors as well, but a hot, like a hot pink Ooh, is what pretty. I normally look for. And then I've seen a red too, but they're wonderful in Atlanta. They love the heat. We love the heat, heat, humidity. They do fine. <laughs> Linda, thank you so much for stopping by this morning. I'm really glad to see your beautiful face on a Saturday morning. We all appreciate it. And the listeners are so happy to hear from you. Ashley, it is so fun to talk to you about all of this. And I wish you so much luck in your show. You're doing great. So Celebrity Gardener is a chance for us to get to know some of the personalities in Atlanta and in Georgia that you don't really get to hear talk gardening very often. So thank you, Linda, so much. That was a great interview. I want to pass along just a couple of things really briefly. I've got about a minute before we have to go to break. In the last hour, in the first hour of the show, we had a lot of good calls. We had Betty from Tucker, and Bob called in about moss growing on the the markers for his dogs in his pet cemetery in the backyard. And I was kind of at a loss as to why moss was growing on granite and on slate. So I love that Marsha reached out to me on the Facebook page just a little bit ago, and she said maybe after treating the moss, perhaps consider sealing the granite. That could prevent future moss from growing and keeping that at bay. So I so appreciate that suggestion, Marsha. And also in talking with Betty about fertilizing blueberries, I mentioned, you know, you're, you're really cautious of using organic products, of course, in the vegetable garden. And I mentioned OMRI listed, if that if it has that certification, if it has that qualification. All that means is Organic Materials Review Institute. That is the organization that does rigorous testing on some of these products just to make sure that they are the best organic products available. Now, that doesn't mean that if you see something like Hollytone that says it's organic, if it doesn't have that certification, that OMRI certification, it's still okay. It's still organic. It just hasn't been through that rigorous process. So Melorganite, which is what we talked about, which is what I've always put on my blueberry bushes, that is safe. It is recommended as a slow-release fertilizer on fruits and vegetables. It just has to be applied at the proper rates. That is so important. And it's slow-release, slow-release nitrogen. So keep that in mind. Anytime you use a fertilizer in the vegetable garden that's a little bit higher in nitrogen, which is that first number, it's going to produce more greenery. It's going to produce more growth and more leaves and things like that, which sometimes may not be a great thing because it could also mean it's going to be deficient in the areas where it needs to start producing the buds and the flowers, which we all know ultimately lead to the fruit that we eat and the fruit that we want. So thank you guys for being patient with me and letting me kind of slip those back in. We're going to hear from Walter Reeves at the bottom of the hour, so stay tuned. Lots more and hopefully your calls on Green and Growing, 404 872 750 
It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings. Just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. Hope you're enjoying your first, maybe your second cup of coffee. It's going to be a beautiful Saturday morning. So glad you were listening to the radio and curious how you're doing it these days. We're not in our cars as much, so the car radio is usually your best friend on the way to and from work. But maybe you've got a Google speaker or Alexa or Google Home, something like that. You're listening to us in the house more often. My mom still has an under-the-cabinet radio that she has in the kitchen and has had for as long as I've been alive and listens to us that way. And you've always got your phone. Your phone can do everything nowadays. So why not listen to WSB Radio and the WSB Radio app? Just carry your phone around with you as you're cleaning, as you're doing things around the house. And we're right there with you in the house all the time. So want to help you plan your day. Finley Roofing sponsors the weather update today, tomorrow, and Monday. It's going to be sunny. That is good news. We had some hail on Wednesday, some rain yesterday. So we're kind of done with that for the next few days. Highs today, though, only around 65. It's just unseasonably cool right now. Right now, the current temperature is 43, and that's going to be the low tonight for most of Metro Atlanta. So take precautions if you feel that that could do any damage to your plants and your gardens. Tomorrow, a little bit of a warm-up, mostly to partly sunny. Highs around 73, lows in the upper 40s, and it's going to be sunny on Monday. Green and Growing Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So I always have fun when one of the three things that I give you to do has a visual and I can share it with you. It's so hard to do that on the radio, but I can share it with you on the Facebook page on Green and Growing WSB, which is what I have done with galls. And you don't know what a gall is, G-A-L-L. So that's an irregular plant growth, something that you just see that looks out of place and you know it doesn't belong on the tree or the plant. What it is, it's, it's, it's stimulated by the reaction between plant hormones and growth-regulating chemicals from insects. Aphids often kind of produce this reaction on a plant. So galls can occur anywhere, though, on the leaves, on the bark, the flowers, the buds. And they really affect the health of the plant, though, so you just have to control them. But you can see what I'm talking about on the Facebook page. Number two, fill the ruts and low spots in your lawn. Right now, equal mixture of sand and topsoil. That's important. And number three, time for fertilization of zoysia grass. You can be fertilizing your centipede right now. And for fescue and warm season lawns, you can use products, fungicides, or to prevent and control disease like dollar spot and brown patch. You're going to be seeing that coming up. Hearing from Walter Reeves in less than 10 minutes. You don't want to miss it. Keep listening to 95.5 WSB. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Along on Green and Growing this morning to take your calls and help you become a better gardener. I'm educating myself along with you all, hopefully, 404-872-0750. And for those of you that listen, usually this time of day, this is kind of right in the middle of the show. You don't get to hear Walter Reeves if you're not up in the 6 o'clock hour. And boy, do I have a treat for you, only because I forgot. I forgot to talk to him at 6.30 like I usually do. That is the spot where we do the Walter Wonders segment. But hey, we're going to talk to Walter now. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. 
Hey, Walter, thanks for joining me again. How are you this Saturday morning? Good morning, Ashley. I'm doing great. I don't think I've ever asked you that question, and you've said you're doing poorly. <laughs> you know, hmm. Well, talking to you, of course, it's oh. great to talk to Ashley every Saturday. Oh. So We look forward to it. My goodness, it's still so good to have you on the radio. You've got to be yeah. on the radio every Saturday morning for folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's fun to talk about gardening with you. It is. It is, and I learn so much still. You know, you just get to the point you never stop learning. It's not like you ever just go, oh, yeah, we already knew that. We already heard that. All right. Every day I walk around my neighborhood or my backyard and I see plants. I think, oh, what is that? I have to go find out what it is. I'm sure somebody, including you, will ask me, what is that thing? Why is it doing that? And then I have to go find it out. So I'm learning, still learning after 30 years. That's right. Now, I was thinking about you earlier this week, and I, in fact, did reach out to you because we got back in the shed. And usually all I do is just pull the mower in and out. Don't pay attention to anything else. I found a bag of grass seed back there, mm-hmm. and then in the garage, we've had an open bag of fertilizer since the fall, since we really did a good feeding of our fescue back in the fall. And yeah. I thought, Walter, help. These were expensive at the time and forgot that we had mm-hmm. them. When does that stuff go bad, and how do you know? Hmm. Fertilizer is the thing that most people worry about first, because it gets lumpy if it gets wet or anything. And I would say for fertilizers... If it's not lumpy, it's probably just as good as it was the day you bought it. If it is lumpy and got wet, you know, somehow in a leaky corner of the shed or something, you can unlump it using a <laughs> hammer. And, and once you've unlumped it, you can use that fertilizer just like you did uh, originally. Same rate, same you know, application method. If it goes through your spreader correctly, then it's fine. You know, when I was a kid, actually, one of the chores that I would do pretty regularly with my dad, we had a dirt driveway. I put a piece of sheet tin, tin that came off our chicken house. And um, on that sheet tin, I'd take bags of fertilizer that had gotten wet and take the lumps and beat it up with a hammer first. So the lumps were about as big as your fist and line them up on the tin. And my dad would get in our Buick station wagon and oh. roll back and forth over the lumps. With You're kidding. To mash them up good. And then I would scoop up the granular fertilizer then, put it in another bag, and they'd put more lumps out there for him to roll over with the car. And so that's what we did with old lumpy fertilizer. I love how thrifty everyone was back then. I feel like I society <laughs> now is so wasteful, and you're just like, oh, I'll throw it out and get another bag. I love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were talking about your uh, seed just now. And seed, whether it's fescue or Bermuda or whatever it is, it all depends on how dry and how cool it's kept as to whether it's going to still be good. And so in a shed, you know, it gets pretty hot in the summertime. And if you just bought it last fall, it's probably fine now. But you don't plant fescue down in the spring. And so if you wanted to wait until the fall to do another seeding of fescue, I would take that inside somewhere in the house that's cool and leave it there for your storage during the summertime. And a lot of our liquid products, you know, like a Roundup or something in a Uh, pump uh, sprayer, those kind of things, if they've been left capped, they're probably okay. But do we look for an expiration date on those? You know, I think some of them do and some of them don't have expiration dates. The big thing there is temperature for them and sunshine as well. So if they're in the shade, in your shed, they're in the shade, I'm sure. And if it doesn't get too bakingly hot in there. I wouldn't worry about bringing them indoors. I think they'd be fine. Sometimes we're wasteful. Sometimes we <laughs> see a, a bad problem on a plant or a tree or in our lawn, and we just want to throw a bunch of chemicals at it, thinking the more yeah. the better, this is going to fix it faster. I don't have the patience. So over the years that you've been doing this and heard from people, too much can definitely be a bad thing. What are some of the things we maybe apply too much of and the damage that it can cause? 
the first lesson and the first garden experience that I remember myself personally doing was an example of using too much because mm-hmm. I went up to the uh, upper pasture where we had a walnut tree, a little black walnut tree. It had a bunch of walnut fruits that had fallen out of the tree, and I wanted to plant one. It had a little sprout coming out of it. I remember it had a little 10-inch sprout coming out of the walnut, and so I got a pot like I said my grandmother do, and I put it in there, put some dirt around it, planted it, you know, in the pot. And then I thought, well, it's fertilizer. I've seen Grandma fertilize things. My dad fertilized things. So I got a cup of 10, 10, 10 fertilizer and poured that around it. Boy, that walnuts burned up. Ooh, it was brown within a day. It was oh, no. dead, dead, dead. Because obviously you don't use a cup of 10, 10, 10 in a little pot. No, it's no. way too much. But that's how I learned that originally was from my experience as a kid. Too much can be not good at all. Well, what are some of the symptoms? I don't mean to stray you from the original topic, but yeah. if you do over-fertilize, like a tree, for example, and you say burned up, is that reflected in the leaves? It means, it means the leaves, yeah, the edges of the leaves will turn brown. Mostly it's because the fertilizer is a chemical that's called salt. And so if you put table salt on a plant or a tree, you know, the, the roots get desiccated, they dry out. And because they dried out, they can't absorb water. And so the leaves and the edges of the leaves will turn brown and give it a couple more days and the whole leaf will turn brown. So edges of the leaf brown moving down towards the base of the leaf. That would be a good um, example of what happens when you put too much fertilizer on something. And the opposite of burnt up and dried out is moisturized. <laughs> so we want to offset that with water, but it is possible yeah. to overwater too. God knows. Yeah, sure can. You, know, my gosh. This is a good time in the spring to note that the best time to water is in the morning. The best way to water is one inch. It is in the, in the heat when you really need the water on the lawn. You don't need now because I think it rained adequately for the, mm-hmm. for the spring. But one inch of water per week is what is recommended for all lawns and do it in one application. Don't just do a little 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there and 10 minutes the next day. Do it in one application before 10 a.m. in the morning. If you go lots of water, two inches of water a week, or lots of water in one area of your of your lawn, it tends to get diseases just because it's too moist. And the reason you don't do the watering after 10 a.m. is so it dries off during the day, so the grass does not stay moist overnight. All right, Walter, another thing that's helpful for gardeners is the pictures on the labels of insecticides, things that we use and things that we know we're fighting against. And following the label directions is so crucial, but sometimes if you don't, what's a sign that you've used too much insecticide on something? That's another case when insecticide can and herbicides, weed killers as well. If you use the right amount, they do fine, but if you use too much, they can make leaves turn, uh, twist, and and just look wrong. The leaves twist and turn strappy, and they curl over a little bit. And so too much insecticide, even though it's not a plant killer per se, too much of it can act like a plant killer. And obviously too much herbicide or plant you know, weed killer can also do the same thing, even to good plants. Even your grass could be hurt by a herbicide if you use too much. This is what my thought was here that I forgot to ask you. With the watering, um, what's a symptom, let's say, of a plant that's had too much water? Is, is, do the leaves uh, show root signs rot of that? and uh, wilting, sometimes wilting because the plant, when you have too much water, it causes the soil not able to breathe. And when it can't breathe, the roots start rotting and the roots rot, can't absorb moisture, so the plant wilts or the leaves dry out one or the other. All right, I think I got time to ask you. Can I ask you for one more? Seed. Yeah, is it possible to overseed something? I hadn't really thought about that. Gosh, yes. It is really possible. In fact, it's done way too often to overseed. In other words, to apply too much seed. 
in a spot. This is going to happen to a number of our garden friends out there who used too much fescue seed last mm-hmm. fall when they were planting. If you use too much seed, the seeds get really crowded together. The little seedlings can be so crowded together that they spread disease amongst each other, just like coronavirus does if you get oh, too many people gosh. close together. So it's important to seed at the right rate. Usually the seed bags will tell you how much seed per 1,000 square feet. Don't think that because you have a pound of seed left over or half a bag left over that you have to use it. Don't use too much seed. It will really run into problems, particularly fescue. So sad to tell you folks, you think gardening, you're going to be able to get away from math just a little bit. But no, in journalism, (laughs) me hosting a radio show, can't get away from the math. Moral of the story here, Walter, too much can be a bad thing, but just follow the label directions, right? And have the right instrument to measure these things as you need them. You don't have to have some special thing. A cup to measure Mm -hmm. water is fine. And you can get an old uh, measuring cup from Goodwill sometimes to use to measure your seed, measure your insecticide, things like that. We're going to go out there and make sure we're more judicious in what we do. That's right. Judicious. Good word. (laughs) Have a great Saturday. See you soon. Reading the label. What a concept. I know that's something a lot of us don't want to do. Men, taking directions and reading labels, not exactly your cup of tea, but amounts are so important, you know, just not overdoing something. And so many fertilizers can have the tendency to burn things. If you use too much weed killer, like a post-emergent herbicide, that's obviously going to be detrimental. And just using it on a windy day, you know, we advise you not to really do any major spraying on a windy day because the consequences could be fatal for plants nearby. So always appreciate the wisdom of Walter Reeves, who hosted this show for almost 25 years. So that segment, Walter Wonders, we usually have a conversation at 6.30 every Saturday morning. Ran a little late today, but that's okay. And more of your calls. Definitely want to hear what you're doing in preparation for this cold weather. We've already had a couple of cold nights. And, uh, you know, if you're a big believer in covering the plants, you're putting cardboard boxes or milk jugs out over them or something, I want to hear from you because I haven't. And I hope that I don't come to you in a few weeks and say that I regret that. So let me know what you're doing, what precautions you're taking. 404-872-0750. And it's Mother's Day weekend. So if you need any ideas for good gifts for mom, you've still got about 24 hours. So get out to shop and maybe do some online ordering. You got some time. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Green and Growing. I'm your host, Ashley Frasca. Keep listening to 95.5 WSB. Scott Slade here on your WSB Weekend. Enjoy Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca and Dave Baker's Home Fix-It this morning on 95.5 WSB. The WSB News team, meteorologist Kirk Mellish and I, will be here Monday morning with Atlanta's Morning News. Here's Ashley. Welcome back to Green and Growing. Another hour or so to go. Thank you so much for your calls and your time this morning. Really glad you're waking up with us on a Saturday morning. We've got a busy day, as the weekends always are here on WSB. Dave Baker is in with the Home Fix-It show from 9 to noon. Atlanta Living with Belinda Skelton. That comes up from 1 to 3. And we have UGA playing Clemson, not live, but back in 1991. And Larry Munson, you're going to hear him on the radio. This is the month of Munson, which is so cool, us bringing back old UGA games. So UGA Clemson from 1991, that is going to be on from 3 to 6. So if you need your sports fill, I think you need to keep it tuned right here to 95.5 WSB. John in Ackworth calling this morning. Good morning. How can I help? Hey, great to hear your voice again. Thanks, John. Um, this, my, my wife has planted five new rose bushes in front of our house, and I just heard you mention that there is a frost warning tonight, and I'm wondering what would I need to do to protect these things? 
Woody plants like roses can endure pretty severe cold, but yeah, the concern there is that they're new. They still need to get established, and, and did they still? They're still leafing out, right, with new growth. Oh yeah, she just bought them last weekend and planted all four of them on Saturday, but they're all in full bloom right now. But oh, that's great. what I'm a little concerned of. Okay, and do y'all have mulch around them as well? Oh yeah, tons. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So. Let's just be cautious there because that is an investment of your time and your money, John. So the best way to protect the plants, what you just basically are trying to do here is catch the heat of the earth under some kind of cover to keep that plant warm. So people do use cardboard boxes and things, but if you're going to use plastic, which is just fine, use black, not clear. That's going to be better. It reflects the sunlight back off, so it's not going to fry the rose bush underneath it. And then that okay. can actually be left on just if loosely placed over the rose. That can be left on for, you know, a couple of days without harm. But I guess if y'all have the opportunity, go out during the day, remove it, put it back out at night, and hopefully just for another two or three nights. But that's what I would recommend doing. Excellent. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome. And I'm glad to hear that you've got the mulch in place because that's so important. But just anchor the plastic down. A, common sense, you know, it's going to blow away. But B, just also to trap all of the heat in there that you can. I think that's going to do you guys just fine. 404-872-0750. Out to Tucker. Hey, David, good morning. Hi, good morning. I was hearing you talking about uh, revitalizing things and such and... uh, I haven't planted my annual seeds yet. Uh, one, should I just hold off a couple of days because of the cold? Yeah. And also, uh, I was going to put some seed in some uh, potting plants or potting uh, pots that had some used potting soil in it and wonder if I need to do something to revitalize the potting soil. So very good questions, David. And yeah, soil temperature is so important when we're thinking about starting seed outdoors. And I think that this little cold snap, this unseasonably chilly period we're experiencing right now of about four or five nights of temperatures in the low 40s, I think that's enough to quickly bring down the soil temperature. So you're right to hold off on seed. I think that's a good idea. There's a difference when you go to the nursery and you get potting soil and container soil versus garden soil. So if you've got some potting soil in there, you can reinvigorate it a little bit. Like there's things like peat moss and vermiculite, some fertilizer that are always good to add to that. I would recommend doing more garden soil, though, if you can, rather than potting soil. Garden soil is just going to be a lot more breathable, almost a little bit more of a barky feel to it. Whereas, you know, when we buy the hanging baskets and the things at the nursery, that's really dense, holds a lot more moisture, kind of potting soil. So yeah, if that's what you got, work with what you got. But additives like vermiculite or peat moss or something like that are going to be good. What what are you going to try to put in them, David? Uh, This is just uh, your, your pretty much mainstream annuals. Oh, good. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, then that's absolutely fine. Yeah, I was thinking more along the lines of vegetables. Yep, so that's going to be fine. And more of the fresh soil, I mean, just mix it in throughout, make sure it's all good. And you know, David, I know you know, but some people may forget if you're using those old pots or things like that or buying a new pot, you've got to make sure it's got drainage holes in the bottom. We just bought a great 22-inch pot and it's plastic, it's heavy plastic, it's ready to go. But the drainage holes aren't cut out yet, so you got to turn the pot over and make sure you do that. Thanks for the call, David. Russell and Kennesaw, Lewis and Marietta, don't go away. We'll take your calls here on Green and Growing. Thanks for listening to WSB.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.